0: Um, and tonight we're going to touch on knowing the will of God and why it's, in, it's important to know the will of God, how we're to prioritize His will, and of course, knowing how to do His will, and then also knowing how to know His will. And so these are all important things that we need to learn and, and, and talk about, and so uh I ran into a story last week, and I thought it was perfect for this message. And it's about a about a man who's riding on his motorcycle on the countryside. And he stopped to talk to a, a country preacher at the churchyard. And, um, and so the preacher asked the man, um, so where are you heading? And uh, the man says, well, I'm driving into town to sell my motorcycle. And so the preacher corrected him and said, you ought to say... I'm riding into town to sell my motorcycle if it be the Lord's will. And so the man just rolled his eyes and laughed and then he headed out into town. Several minutes, or I should say, maybe later that afternoon, he, uh, the, the preacher sees the man coming up the road and he was staggering and, and stumbling and uh, his pants was torn and his, his knees were exposed. And you can see how he skinned his knees. He has one arm and a sling. His hair was all messed up. His, his arm was, was covered with blood. And, uh, and the shirt off his back was half torn. And uh, the preacher said, what happened? And then the man goes on to say, well, after I left you, I headed to town. And a storm came. And I tried to outrun the storm. But the rain was coming down so hard, it felt like lumps of lead. Then, as I was coming to this big curve, I, I ran over uh, some loose gravel, and the motorcycle slid from underneath me, and I skidded over 100 feet on pavement. But I managed to get up and walk over to this farm, uh, farmhouse. And there, as I got to the doorstep, a frightened woman came out pointing a shotgun in his direction. So he ran and she started shooting. And he ran into some brush and briar, getting all scratched up and cutting himself up. And while he stood there picking the, the, the bug shots from his backside, a, a lightning hit a tree and it fell on top of him. Needless to say, he had a bad day. So the, the preacher says, well, looked at him and says, well, where are you going now? And the man said, well, I'm going home. If it be the Lord's will sometimes we don't take God's will uh, seriously we take it for granted and we don't always think about God's will when we wake up every morning as a matter of fact we don't always account for his will every morning but tonight I hope that we can when we leave here we'll know how how important knowing God's will is and knowing how important it is to be in his will and so if you go with me to James chapter 4 and let's look at verse 13 And, you know, you can say that many Christians are like the guy with the motorcycle, you know, even though they may not like to admit it. But, you know, when you think about the will of God, obviously the man did not take the will of God seriously. He took it for granted. And, uh, of course, (laughs) if he had done the will of God or if he would not boasted in thinking that he was going into town and selling his motorcycle, I think he'd probably been okay. But because he took it for granted, obviously he had a few bumps in the road. But in James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, it says this. Look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. Now, verse 14, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? OK, that's the question is asked. It says your life is like the morning fog if it's here it's here a little while then it's gone verse 15 what you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to we live and do this or that otherwise you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil now James is not saying that we don't make plans or, or set goals it's good to make plans and it's good to make to have goals but the plans and goals can disappoint us if we leave God out of it, okay? Many people, many people including Christians, they, they go around making plans as though God doesn't exist, as though God had nothing to do with it, as if God had no say in it. And we have to be very careful that we don't live that way or have that kind of attitude, leaving God out in every, in every situation in our lives, But as believers, we can't continue to live independent of God. But we should always stay tuned with God in everything that we do. And we can't make plans and ignore God or act as though God doesn't exist in any part of our plans. How would you react if God stepped in and rearranged your plans? That's what God did to me on Monday. I had made plans. Monday was my day off. I made plans for Monday. And then something unexpected happened that took a good part of the afternoon and I didn't wasn't able to carry out my plans for that day. So it's almost like God rearranged my plans with something unexpected. And that can happen anytime. And so whenever we make plans, we always need to keep God in mind. Always. Because again, you never know when God is going to interrupt your day. So, so there's nothing wrong with planning ahead. But if we if we put God's will and desire in the center of our planning, God will never disappoint us. Okay, that's so important for us to know. So we should make plans and we should make plans and decisions, but we shouldn't make it without considering God as part of the plan or in part of the plan. So it's almost like whenever you Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that. You need to find out if it's God's will for you to take a shower. That's, you know, I'm talking about when you're talking about plans or major decisions in your life. You know, a good example was when I when I first met my wife. Um, you know, at the time I was single, I had just got out of a bad relationship and I was not interested in dating. I had just found God. I was getting i was coming to church and I was, I was just happy just serving God. I was not interested in dating at all. Although there were some ladies that were interested in dating me. But I would always ask, Lord, is she the one? Because at that point, I wasn't interested in dating. I said, Lord, if I'm going to find the woman, I don't want to waste my time dating around and just meeting people. I want to find my wife. So send her my way so she can be the one that I can date rather than wasting time dating with other people. That's not going to be my wife. So that was my attitude. But I wanted to be in God's will. I didn't want to make the same mistake that I made before. And so, but when I met my wife, I knew that she was the one. And you know how it is when you know that you know that you know. But knowing God's will is one thing, but also knowing God's timing, that's another. And so I had to wait quite a while Before I knew it was time to ask her for a first date. And unbeknownst to me, if I had asked her out before the time, she would have said no. And I would have been rejected. I would have been dejected. And I would not have asked her out again. But because I waited for the right time. Because unbeknownst to me, my wife was going through something. She had just come out of a bad relationship. She was still healing from that relationship. And it just wasn't the right time to ask her out. And she wasn't ready to, to, to date. So I knew that, that, you know, that was not the time to ask her. But because I was waiting for God's timing, because I knew this was God's will. And when that time came, when I asked her out, I knew that I knew that I knew that it was the time to ask her out. And when I asked her out, she said yes, and the rest was history. So it's important that we know God's will And make a decision based on God's will rather than waiting or or, or making a decision that's outside of his will. And I think the the important thing here to know is this, that when when we're in God's perfect will, it's the safest place to be. The safest place in the world is to be in the center of God's street. To go outside of his will is to go outside is like taking a, a bad route. Uh, a detour in the wrong direction where there's uncertainty, instability, and even danger. It's like you're driving in a a nice, quiet, safe neighborhood. Then you make a wrong turn and you find yourself in a very dangerous, drug-infested, crime-infested neighborhood. That's what it's like to go outside of the will of God because outside of His will, it's not safe. But within God's will, it's always a safe place to be. James says over in verse 15. If the Lord wants us to. We, we, we will live and do this or that. That's what James was telling his readers to do. Now what James was really saying was this. You should live your life demonstrating your faith and reliance on him. Rather than relying on your own wisdom and your own abilities to carry out your plans in other words live your life always relying on god always depending on him and trusting him rather than trusting in your own abilities how many of you have ever made plans in your life that didn't work out i'm sure every one of us have how many of us have made decisions in our lives that we now regret we've all done that only because we've sort of did things outside of God's will but within God's will we are never disappointed and everything works out right and that is such an awesome thing so when we talk about the will of God what we're talking about is his ways his desires his, his, uh, his agenda we're talking about his plans his purposes That's what, when we talk about the will of God, we're talking about, that's what we're talking about, his plans, his purpose, his agenda. And the important thing in the world, as I mentioned to you, is, is knowing the Lord Jesus. That's the most important thing in the world. How many would agree with that? It's to know the Lord Jesus. What's the second most important thing? Knowing the will of God. Okay, those are two important things in life. And knowing his will and being in the center of his will, as I mentioned to you, is the safest place to be. But outside of the will of God is taking a dangerous detour and we need to avoid that. But when we find ourselves in the will of God, it's like walking outside in pouring rain and standing under an umbrella. As long as you're under that umbrella, that rain cannot wet you. That rain cannot touch you because you're under the protection of that umbrella. When you put that umbrella away, you're going to get soaked. You're going to be exposed to the element and there's nothing to protect you. But when within, you're within God's will, there's safety, there's protection, there's blessings, there's favor, and there's provisions. So when we know that we're in the center of his will, we have nothing to worry about, nothing at all. And think about this. When we talk about being in God's will, it's almost like being in a safe boundary. You know, God doesn't provide boundaries for us so that we don't have fun or enjoy our lives. He sets boundaries to protect us. It's what parents do with children, right? They set boundaries for their children. Why? To protect them, not to make them unhappy, not to ruin their lives, but to simply protect them. Because God knows that outside of his will, there's danger. That's why God wants to keep us in his, in his will because it's like setting boundaries and staying within those boundaries. God understands the dangers that is lurking outside of his will. It's like what David Livingston once said. He's an English missionary to Africa during the 19th century. And he understood the importance of knowing God's will and being God's perfect will. This is what he said. I'd rather be in the heart of Africa in the will of God than on the throne of England out of his will. So basically, what he's saying is this. If being in the will of God means that, that it's working in some lonely, distant, mosquito-infested missions field, then you're still in the safest place in the world. Think about that. And I don't know if you know anything about David Livingston, who's a great missionary who lived his life in Africa. He was one of the first to be able to go to Africa and, and he went to the darkest places of Africa to bring the gospel. And he knew that he was in God's perfect will and though he, got through, he went through so many uh, trials and got sick and everything else, but yet he knew that he was in God's perfect will and he knew he was in the safest place. And when you're in God's perfect will, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. You're in the right place and God will never disappoint you. Another thing to know about God's will is that his will has been established in our lives before we were born. And think about this. Go to Jeremiah chapter one. Look at verse five. Verse five says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He said, before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you. And I assigned you and and appointed you a prophet to the nations. I like what the message translation says. It says, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you, a prophet to the nation. That's what I had in mind for you. What does God have in mind for you and for your life? Have you stopped to think about that? What do you suppose he had? in mind before he formed you in your mother's womb. When we read in Jeremiah, God reveals to Jeremiah his will and purpose for Jeremiah's life. But think about this. When did this plan occur? It occurred before he was ever uh, formed in his mother's womb. Before he even became a fetus. God already established his will for his own life. And so It's clear by looking at this verse that God establishes uh, his will for our lives before you and I are ever born. So before you and I became a fetus, God already established something in your life. He already chose you, he already ordained you, and he's already sanctified you for a mission. God had a perfect will for every person born into this world. Now, here's the thing. Even though God has established his will in your life, even though God has already ordained you and sanctified you and chose you. And even though he's already established a path for you to walk in. We still have to obey and do his will. It's one thing to be established in our, in our lives for his will. But we have to walk into that. Okay. Knowing God's will is one thing. Doing God's will is another. We'll talk about that a little later. But before you and I were born, God set us apart because he valued us. He not only valued us, but he took special interest in us because he, for for whatever purpose God had for us, whatever mission he had, he set that in motion before you and I were born. And when you and I came into this world, we came already sanctified. We came already ordained. We came already chosen and ready to fulfill God's mission. Man, that is so awesome to know that God already established His, His will for our lives before we, were, before we even existed. And all of this was determined by God before you and I were even formed in our mother's womb. And that's what we read here in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. And I always love that verse because it reminds me that, hey, God gave me a purpose before I even was born. And that's for all of us. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 13. When you and I were born, now check this out. When you and I were born, there were two plans for us. There was a satanic plan, a plan that Satan had for us, and there was a God plan, a plan that God had for us. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 13. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness, and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now, as I mentioned to you, Satan had a plan before you and I were born, but so did God. And the moment we became born again and saved, God spoiled the plans of, of, of the devil. And the Bible says that he spoiled principalities and powers, and that's what he did. And I tell you, I thank God that he came and ruined Satan's plan for our lives. Because that, again, that's because God had a plan. And he says, no, Satan, you're not going to ruin this plan. I've already ordained them. I've already chosen them. I've already sanctified them. So you're not going to mess with this plan. And that's what God did for you and I. Go to Psalm 139. Look at verse 16. Because God has established his will for our lives before birth. There is no plan B. It's always plant A. He says this, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now let me read this to you from the message translation. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Man, that is so awesome. Just like the psalmist, he's talking about how God pre-recorded all the days of our lives before you and I were ever born. He's saying here that God has thought through every area of our lives and every detail before birth. Every detail of our lives, God has already established, which means that you and I are not an afterthought. Are you hearing me this mo- This evening? I almost said this morning. God had all of our days written out before you were born. That means that you and I are not a mistake going somewhere to happen. We're not an afterthought. We're a part of God's plan. God has already established that. He re-recorded our whole lives. And as I said before, even though he's done all of that, we still have to conceive we still have to submit we still have to follow in that path that god has chosen chosen us for us we have to be the one to choose that way but god had marvelously planned out in our lives in great detail are the plans and purposes for our lives go to ephesians chapter two look at verse 10 god had created each one of us with a detailed plan in mind He says that we were predestined for a life of purpose and meaning according to his will. Look at Ephesians 2.10 and I'm going to read that from the Amplified Version. It says this, For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. I've always loved this verse too. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined or planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, That we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. God has established his will for our lives, having preplanned and prearranged everything in great details. It's it's, it's like God had already set our lives in order. We just have to follow in and, and, and walk in that in that path that he he provided for us walk in that plan that he's already established in our lives. In other words, we have to cooperate with him. He set the stage. He, he wrote everything down in great details. Now we just have to follow and be a part of that plan. And for us who have been born again, those who have accepted Christ Jesus into our hearts and into our lives, we've already cooperated with God. Now we have to live each day following his will because his will is part of the plan that he has for us. And we're still walking in that path. And even when he planned out our lives, he already saw all the pitfalls ahead of us. He already saw all of the, the, the obstacles that Satan tries to put our way. He sees that already. But God found a way to help overcome those, those obstacles and overcome those pitfalls because he, because nothing is going to get in the way of fulfilling God's purpose in our lives. The only ones that can do that is us ourselves we're the only ones and satan of course but also us sometimes we blame satan for everything but a lot of times we're guilty for some of the things that we do or not do okay so we can be our own worst enemy and prevent god from fulfilling his will and purpose because of our lack of cooperation Go to Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, a very well-known verse of scripture. It's another example of God's will planned out for our lives. He says this in the New Living Translation. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And again, let me read this to you from the Message Translation. He says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you. That's God's providence. Not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. So we're all in this earth because of God's will. We're all here because of God. How many of you have ever read the book, The Purpose Driven Life? It's an awesome book. I like what Rick Warren said in that book. And maybe some of you remember this, but he made a statement concerning God's will for us. He says that we were planned for God's pleasure formed for God's family, created to become like Christ, shaped for serving God, and made for a mission. I want you to say this with me tonight. I was made for a mission. Say that with me. Okay, let's do this again. <laughs> let's get in within the will of God now. I was made for a mission. Let's say that together once again. I was made for a mission. Those who are watching by live stream, I want you to repeat with me. I was made for a mission. God went to great length to prearrange and prepare our lives for us before birth for a mission. (laughs) That's exciting. I remember when I was working in a secular job and something was missing in my life. I was not happy, I felt unsatisfied. I felt like there was something more, and I didn't know what it is. And I would pray constantly, Lord, why do I feel this way? Lord, please show me. Lord, help me. Find a way. Just reveal something to me. Just remove this unsatisfied feeling in my life. It started becoming a burden on me because I would feel that every day. And I would say, Lord. and, And somehow I felt in my heart that I was called into the ministry. But I couldn't see ahead. I couldn't see where, how, when, or how it's going to happen. And I would just pray to God. I said, Lord, I want to be in your will. But Lord, show me. If this is where you want me to be for the rest of my life, then I'm going to do the best that I can where I'm I'm at, right here in this secular job. But Lord, if there's something else, then please show me. Make a way. Open a door. Give me something that will give me some hope. And I will carry this for years now, for years. But I kept seeking for God's will to, to, to be fulfilled in my life. I was seeking for what it is that God had for me. And then God did that. But, but he did it in such a way that only God can do. And you know one of those things that you know it's God when you open up the door and you don't even expect it. You know how that is? It comes at you when you don't expect it. But then you know, that's God. I said, Lord, thank you. That's when I knew that I knew that I knew that I was called to be here. And it was interesting because even along the way, God would give me little, like, little bits and pieces of, of a vision. You know, he would just show me a little bit and that'll be enough to, to encourage me. That'll be enough to keep me going. But yet yeah, there were days when I just wondered, maybe, maybe I'm just misinterpreting this. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. It was all part of God's plan, but it was it was how he worked that out. And whenever God has a plan for you, sometimes we get to get ahead of God. And and sort of uh, make things happen for ourselves rather than waiting on God to make it happen. And how many of you know that when you try to do something ahead of God, it never works out. But when you stay within God's will and wait, God will make it work but it's always within his time. But we've got to stay within his will and not try to go outside of that will. Because when we go outside of his will, then we find ourselves in a place that's not safe, that is, that's, that it's uh, unstable and it also can be dangerous. And so, and I don't want to sound dramatic, but sometimes many of us have made some decisions that we regret. Some of us, I mean, we have, prison filled of men and women that made some bad decisions because they were outside of the will of God. Now go to Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 17. We didn't come into this world to carry out our own will. We came into this world to carry out God's will. And the first thing we need to understand is that God wants to show us his will. He's not trying to hide it from us. He wants to show it to us. He not only wants us to know his will, excuse me, but he also wants it to make his will our priority. Okay. In Ephesians chapter five, verse 17 says this, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, Paul is saying here that we're to make it a priority to understand or to firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is for our lives. In other words, God wants us to know His will. But according to this passage of Scripture, it also shows us that it's our responsibility to seek out His will, to discover what that will is for our lives. The word says here, do not be unwise. In the Greek, it literally means, don't be mindless or stupid. So we have a choice. We're either to be stupid or understanding of his will. Which do you think God desires? To be what? To be understanding of his will, not stupid. God doesn't want us to be stupid. Because there is a great emphasis in the scriptures to discover his will, to find out what his will is, to know what his will is. Look at Acts chapter 22. In verse 14, Paul was talking to a mob of people who wanted to kill him. And It was thankful for the soldiers who saved him, but he said, I want to talk to the people. So the soldiers let him address the people, and he began to tell the people all that took place in his life, how he got saved, how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and how he was blinded and taken into the the city to wait on God, and how God sent a man named Ananias to him. But this is what Ananias said to him, and this is what Paul was relaying to the people. In verse 14, then he, meaning Ananias, told me, The God of our ancestors has what? Chosen you to what? To know his will and to see the righteous one and hear and speak. For you are to be his witnesses, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. So on the day of Damascus, Jesus appeared to him, not only revealing his perfect will for for his life, but also the plan that God had for him, and that was to be a witness unto him. We see that in Jeremiah. when God appeared to Jeremiah revealing his will by telling him, I've called you to be a prophet to the nation. God wants us to know his will and God will reveal his will if we search for it and if we're open to it. Therefore, it's our responsibility to search for it and seek it out before we jump into something that's going to hurt us and something that's going to, you know, get us into a lot of trouble and God knows I made some mistakes and I made some poor decisions that got me in a lot of trouble. But thank God, thank God that I'm trying to be within His perfect will. So once we have realized that we're the ones that are responsible for discovering God's will, the next step is to start seeking it and searching for it. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it tells us that he, God promises that if we seek Him, we will find Him. If we seek Him with all of our hearts. Okay? That's what I did when I was trying to find out God's will for my life. And I sought for him. I prayed hard. And sometimes there were days I get so frustrated because I don't hear from God. And there were days when I would just begin to question myself. And because it's this long pause of, well, I don't hear anything from God. But then God, in so many ways, when you least expect it, begins to show you some things. It's almost like he gives you a little breadcrumb. And then you just follow it. And that breadcrumb is just enough to keep you hopeful, to keep you going, to keep you encouraged until God moves and opens up that door. So the emphasis here is seeking with all of your heart. If God has a will, and he does, and if he wants us to know it, which he does, and he holds us responsible for it, which he will, then you can be sure that God is not hiding his will from us. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 7. And we're going to read 7 through 9. It says this. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Verse 8. Which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Verse 9. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Again, God wants to make known his will for us. In other words, Paul is saying that it was God's good pleasure to reveal it to us. In other words, it gave God pleasure to show us his will. It was his great pleasure to do that. And according to his great pleasure, which means that God is is pleased to reveal his will for us or uh, to us. So we all need to make it a priority to to know his will by seeking it out each day. Because that's what God wants, to search for him every day. Now, I don't know what your habits are in the morning. If you get up in the morning, and and again, it's easy to get up in the morning and thinking about the day. I got to go to work, but I got to go pick up this. I got a bills to pay. I got all this to do. I got to meet this person. I got to meet that person. I got all these meetings to do and all this other stuff. And when we fill our minds with all these things, we forget to stop and say, wait a minute, Lord, what is your will? Or, oh, Lord, help me to stay in your will throughout the day, no matter what comes, no matter what challenges I face. Lord, help me to stay within your will. And we we have to have that practice in our lives every day to get up each morning and let the Lord know, Lord, I want to be within your will. Help me to stay there. Keep me from going outside of your will. Lead me and guide me. Show me where I need to be. Show me where I have to do. Show me what to say in certain circumstances. But keep me in your will. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 9. For this reason we also, once the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Notice exactly what this verse says. He says we are to be filled with the knowledge of his will. It was Paul's priority prayer list. For the church, for us to understand God's perfect will with all wisdom and with all understanding. In other words, God wants. Uh, Paul's prayer was for us to have a full, accurate knowledge and understanding of God's will for our lives. That says it. it's one thing to know God's will, but it's another to know it with understanding and with all wisdom. God wants us to have an accurate knowledge of His will. And Paul believed that knowing God's will was important enough to know that it became his priority and his constant prayer for the church. Understand that the will of God is to permeate throughout our lives and throughout our very being. Nothing should come out of us or through us that's not the will of God. But everything must permeate within his will in our very being. And being in the center of God's will is not only the safest place to be, but also the most important place to be. So let's make it a priority to know and understand God's will for every day of our lives. Let's not be like the guy in the motorcycle who just takes God's will for granted and make all these plans, excluding God out of it. But let's include God in all of our plans. So we talk about prioritizing God's will in our lives. Do you know it's also important to prioritize our prayer life within God's will? Go to Matthew chapter 6. Look at verses 9 and 10. Jesus here teaches his disciples on how to pray. And he teaches them on the the Lord's prayer. In Matthew 6 and verse 9, Jesus tells his disciples to pray in this manner. This is what he said. Therefore pray our Father who art in heaven. Okay, look at verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our prayer life should focus first on God's will to be done. Now look at the next verse, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice where our daily bread comes after God's will be done. When we, when we see this here, we see that God prioritizes his will above our will when it comes to prayer. When we pray to God, we need to make sure that his will be done before we ask for our daily bread. Matthew six thirty three, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added to you. All of these things refer to our daily bread. But notice that we must seek Him first. That's His will. So let's put His will above our will when it comes to our prayer life. Now go to 1 John chapter 5. Look at verses 14 and 15. One of our favorite verses, right Pastor Ray? Our prayer life should always be centered in God's will. Look at what it says here. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. In verse 15... And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So what the scripture is telling us is that when we ask God according to his will, there's two promises that come with that. First, he hears our prayers. Then he will will provide us with what we ask for in our prayer. But only because we pray according to his will And when we know that we're praying according to his will, we have that confidence in knowing that God is hearing our prayers. And if we know that God is hearing our prayers, then we know that God is going to answer our prayers. Why? Because we're asking according to his will. So we should always prioritize his will in our prayer life, in everything. (coughs) Excuse me. We must always put his will above our will. To seek to know and do God's will is our highest priority outside of salvation and to show you how important it is to know God's will it is impossible to, to, to do God's will or it's, I should say it's impossible for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven if we don't know his will right you cannot fulfill God's will and purpose for our lives or in, in for the kingdom of God if you don't know where to go or how to get there, right? So without the knowledge of his will, one wrong decision, one too many compromises can alter your life or our lives and perhaps even affect it in, 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 for the rest of our lives. And again, I don't mean to sound dramatic, but how many people we know that made some bad decisions that altered their lives for the rest of their lives? How many people we know that made a bad, one bad decision is all it takes to ruin our lives without the knowledge of his will. So if we want, to, <clears throat> if we want God's will to be done on earth as it is heaven, then we, know, we need to know what his will is so we know where we're going. And so we won't make that bad decision. So let's make knowing God's will a priority not only in our prayer lives but in every area of our lives. Now, let's talk about doing the will of God. It's one thing to know the will of God but it's also another to do the will of God. One of the prerequisites of knowing the will of God is having a willingness to do it. God is not going to reveal His will to you and for your life if He knows that you're not going to do it. Let's face it, God knows our hearts. And he knows whether we're willing to do his will or not. And if you're not willing to do his will, and God will know that, then he's not going to reveal anything to you. But if there's a willingness to do God's will, then God will reveal it to you. Excuse me. So to do God's will it, it must be done with all of your heart. You know when God tells you to do something and you know he's telling you what to do how many of us have ever kicked and screamed and showed some reluctance and not really want to do it. Come on, how many of you've done that, right? We we've, we've all we've all done we've all been guilty of that. But understand that when God reveals something to you, when he's telling you to do something, he's telling you get with the program. This is part of my will. This is part of the plan that I've established for you before you were ever born. I saw this coming, and I know the outcome. So what I need you to do is trust me on this. I know that you may not want to do it. I know you're probably afraid to do it. I know there's probably a hundred of reasons why you don't want to do it. But if you trust me on this and you get with this program, Get with my agenda. I know what the outcome is going to be. So trust me. And so when you do that, when you have that attitude, when you know that, all right, God, I know this is your will. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm afraid. But Lord, I'm going to trust you in this. And I'll be willing to do it and trust you. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Not only are we to discover what his will is and to carry it out his will, but we're to do it with all of our hearts. Ephesians says this, verse 5, Bond servants be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Verse 6, not with eye service or as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Quickly look at John uh, 6 and verse 38. Jesus stressed the importance of not only knowing the will of God, but doing the will of God with all your heart. And he was a perfect example of that. In the New Living Translation, Jesus says, "For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me and not to do my own will. Imagine having that mentality every day of our lives. Wake up every morning and say, Lord, not my will but your will be done. To do God's will means not doing your will. You've all seen these commercials on television about drug driving and how they're not to drive when they're under the influence because they can hurt themselves or hurt somebody else. So when a person is drinking, they should always hand their keys over to someone who's sober and let them take control of the car. Hand them the keys and take control of the wheel right thank god that none of you have to do that praise the lord so when the person hands over the key to the sober person he's able to take the passenger or passengers from where they are to where they need to go and to get them there safely okay that's the whole purpose of having somebody come in and take the keys and take control of the wheel too many times we've had control of our own wheels of our lives we have we have the keys and we have control when we have no business being in control that's when we need to hand over the keys to God because God is always standing there available to take the keys take control and take us where we need to go and get there safely that requires trust because Listen, if we left it up to ourselves, Jesus says, I come to do your will, not my will. When we have this attitude, when we come to do our will instead of his will, when we place our will above his will, we have the keys and we're in control. And we're crossing the line, swerving and going into ditch. Why? Because we're out of control. And we have no business carrying the keys to our life. But God is there, standing there waiting to be take a hold of that key, but if we, we give it to him and says, Lord, you take the keys. I know what I'm doing, but I know they're going to get me to where I need to go. It's the same attitude I had when I was praying about my wife. And I said, Lord, I don't want to date anybody. I'm just going to trust you, and I know you're going to send the right person my way. And I'm going to give you the keys to my personal life. And I know that you're going to send the right person my way. And because I did that, God blessed me and honored me with a wonderful woman of God. And, um, and I always go back to that because it's just one of the greatest testimonies in my life. Because I waited. I trusted. I stayed within his will. I didn't go outside of his will and try to date other people. Because knowing, knowing my, my, my vulnerabilities at the time, I knew that if a, if, a, if a young lady smiled at me, I would fall in love, and I'd be falling in love with the wrong person. But I said, Lord, I'm going to wait on you. So, Lord, I'm going to give you the keys. Imagine if we do that every day of our lives. In everything. Handing to God the keys and let him take over and trust him. So as you can see, it's going to require the surrendering of our keys to our lives over in God's hands. And I like what Andrew Murray says. He said, God reserves the very best for those who leave the choice with him. Isn't that awesome? Romans 12, look at verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, i read this from New Living Translation, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind that he will find acceptable. This truly the way to worship him. Verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform transform you into a new person. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Which is good and pleasing and perfect. So when you surrender your life to the Lord, surrender the keys of your life to him, he will show you what his perfect will is. And he will let you know where you, whether you're in your, his, your, his perfect will or not. But there has to be a surrendering of the keys. Go to Matthew chapter 26 and verse, look at verse 39. Jesus, again, the perfect model of living to do the will of God that when he was facing sure death, just before he was going to be crucified, he goes into the garden of Gethsemane and he prayed this prayer. He says this: He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, "Oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will." Remember what Jesus says back in John six and verse thirty eight: "says I come to heaven not to do my will." I come from heaven not to do my will, but to do your will. Even when he was faced with sure death, even though he was faced with a horrible and painful outcome, yet he says, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And because Jesus was able to submit his life to God, even in the most difficult circumstances of his life, willing to submit to his will rather than to his own will, Jesus was able to fulfill God's purpose and plan for his life. When we submit to God's will and place his will above ours, we will be able to fulfill his purpose for our lives as well. Jesus' whole attitude was to commit his life to doing and fulfilling God's will. That should also be our attitude. John 4, 34, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of God and to finish his work. If we want to complete the work that God has set us to do, the mission that God has provided us for, the mission that God has for us, then we've got to submit to his will. And finally, with the time that we have remaining, how can we know the will of God for our lives? One of the questions that so many questions ask themselves is how do I know I'm doing what God wants me to do? Or how do I determine the will of God for my life? Very important questions to ask. And the primary way that God reveals his will for our lives is through his the scriptures, through his word. Because his word is his will. Through the scriptures, God gives us clarity and specifics of of what and how he wants us to do life. There's no other way except through the, well, I can't say no other way, but the primary way is through his word. Whenever we want to find God's perfect will for our lives, we need to go through the scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, God lays out his plan for our lives. It's it's very clear and it's there. So we don't have any excuses. If we want to know his will, go to his words. As a matter of fact, if you want to search for God's will, you need to start opening up the Bible a lot more than you have been. And now many of you are probably reading the word every day, spending time studying and meditating, but that's what we need to do in order to know his, understand his will. We need to ask God to help us to find specific guidance in our lives through his words. As a matter of fact, making it a practice to Open up the word of God and say, Lord, show me your will. Make your will clear. Make it, make it, bring some clarity and understanding so that I'll know what I need to do in my life. The scripture says over in Psalm 119 and verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. So God's word is like a candle where it illuminates every dark area. If you've ever lost power in your house at night and you have a candle and you walk in every room, in every room you walk in, the, the room illuminates, right? You walk in, it's a dark, but the moment you walk in with that candle, it brightens up the room. And that's what the Word of God does. It, it gives us clarity and understanding. In areas that we're dark in and don't understand, the Word of God sheds light and showing us the way excuse me not only does the word of God inform us of his will but as a light on a path in darkness it shows us how to follow the right way and how to avoid the wrong way you know uh, we'll go to Proverbs chapter 6 and we'll get verse 23 it says this for the commandment is a lamp and the law a light reproof of instructions are the way of life Now, there are some Christians who who act like the principles of God's word is for everybody else but them. But the scriptures are for everybody. And the scripture tells us that it's profitable. And 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17 tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Word of God is the primary way that God speaks to us and and shows us His will for our lives in every area of our lives, bringing clarity and understanding on how we do life. The second primary way that God does, shows us His will, is by His Spirit. And we'll close with this. The Holy Spirit will always help us to reveal God's will. In John 16 and verse 13, Jesus says that when the Spirit comes, He was the Spirit of truth he will guide you into all truth or he will guide you in God's will for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Now the Spirit of God, whatever he speaks to us is always from God's word. Whatever he tells us, he gets it straight from from the Father. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will guide us. How? By speaking to us through his Spirit. Isaiah 30 verse 21 says this: "Your ears shall hear the word behind you, saying, "This is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. It's the spirit of God who orders our steps and, and, and showing us which way to go and, and leading us in the right direction by speaking to us." And a lot of time when he speaks to us, sometimes it's, it's that little, still small voice but a lot of times also this knowing inside you know that what that feeling is you can't explain it but you just know that you know that you know that this is god same way that i knew that my wife was going to be my wife that she was the one i was going to spend the rest of my life with no one would could change my mind because i knew that i knew that i knew that it was her when i lost my wallet didn't know where it was I I thought I lost it, and I I was already worried about my credit cards and all the the personal items I had in my wallet, and I went to bed after looking and searching throughout the whole house at least three times, and then I heard a voice saying, look in the table, and I said, but I already looked there three times, and I saw nothing, and the Spirit of God says, look in the table. It's that still small voice, and I woke up, got up, looked in the table, and there it was. The Spirit of God knows more than we do But that's how he leads us and that's how he reveals his perfect will for God's perfect will for our lives. By speaking to us or by giving us that inner knowing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and look at verses 9 through 10. But it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But watch this verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through what? Through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. Look, Skip down to verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. God wants us to know his will. And he provides his word and he provides his Spirit. One last word, verse, and then we'll close. Go to Acts chapter 16, look at verses 6 and 7. Many times you'll see Paul refer to words like, and the Spirit said, go here, or oftentimes it says, don't go here. And that's because he was in touch and in tune with the Spirit of God. And in Acts chapter 16 and verse 6, it says, now when they, meaning Paul and Silas, had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Verse 7, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit again did not permit them. Paul and Silas decided to go into the area of Galatia, and the Spirit says no, so he shut the door. Why? Because it wasn't God's will for them to go there then they in turn go to bithynia but the holy spirit shut that door why because it wasn't god's will and so we need to understand that sometimes when 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 uh, when we make a decision to do something and and somehow it's it, it's not working somehow it's not coming to what we, we expect it's not it's not turning out the way we want it we have to stop and wonder well maybe the spirit of god is shutting the door because it's not god's will for us to be there it's was not God's will for us to go there. You know, I, I can tell you stories about how God prevented me from going somewhere that I shouldn't have been going. And it was by the Spirit of God that, that kept me from, from going. And God, that's what the Spirit of God does. You see, God wants to keep us in His perfect will because outside of His will, there's danger. There's uncertainty. There's instability. God knows what's out there and He's trying to protect us from it. His will... It's like a a boundary that keeps us safe, keeps us within right where he needs us to be. And as long as we stay in that boundary, we're going to fulfill his purpose that he's already established before you and I were born. And we thank God how involved he is in our lives even before you and I were ever formed in our mother's womb. And now he's actively involved in our lives, leading us and guiding us to where he wants us to be and becoming the man of God and the woman of God that he called us to be. Man, it's just a wonderful thing to know to be in God's perfect will. Hallelujah. Well, thank you all. Uh, I think I went two minutes over, but I just needed to get this last thought and pray that when you leave here, before you go, you say, Lord, I want to be in your will. And I want to stay in your will. Let's make it a practice to do that. Amen? Amen. All right, good night, everybody. Have a wonderful evening. Drive safely.